Hey guys, if you've done anything for me, please sign up for the Beat the Streets Chicago Virtual Gala. It's taking place on Saturday, June 6th from 8 to 9 p.m. You can register by going to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. Right on our homepage, you'll see the registration tab. Beat the Streets Chicago Virtual Gala, Saturday, June 6th. would mean the world to me if you'd attend this thing. Thank you. Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. Being Team USA and like what that means and how we wrestle. And she said, and this like some, this is something that really stuck with me because I just liked it. I thought it fit my personality well. She said that Americans have a reputation for wrestling hard until the last whistle. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gents. My guest today is Forrest Molinari, one of the most outspoken women we have in these United States when it comes to the wrestling circuits, and I love this conversation. She's a two-time world team member and vying for her spot on the 2021 games. Let's hope it happens in 2021. Fan of the week is TommyJohn34 on Instagram, also known as Chris. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Now let's give it up for Forrest Snowflake Molinari. Peace! Forrest Molinari, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, dude. Absolutely. Excited to do this one. So, Done a lot of research. I'm not going to ask how you got the nickname Forrest or how you got into wrestling. I've heard uh, heard all the stories, but one of the things I found that was pretty cool is your mindset going into a match is you want to take people to to dark water and drown them. Where did that all start, and how did you uh, how'd you come by that? Um, I think that's a mindset in the Iowa room, uh, just the intensity and the level we wrestle at and, and maintain that level throughout a match, so... You know, that's something that Perry would say to us a lot. It just, like, the first time something from a coach and it just sticks with you. Like, that was just something that really stuck with me is you take them to deep water and you drown them. Um, you know, and, and people are scared of going there in matches, and I just want to thrive there. So it's usually what I've been working towards. <laughs> Man, how much wrestling does Mark Perry know? Is that guy just an encyclopedia or what? Yeah, I mean, it is unreal. Just his, like knowledge understanding um of the sport i mean he's like a wrestling guru god like his when i was a like a freshman in high school he was at iowa and i thought it was 
like the most badass thing ever that his uncle was John Smith and he went to Iowa. I'm like, I love that guy. Uh, he, he was That's, a hero yeah. mine from, since I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, knowing him and like his personality, like when I first heard his story of like the whole thing with John and, and not getting recruited, Johnny Hendricks, and he just had to go to Iowa, of course, because it's the rival school. I mean, I would expect nothing less from him, you know? Does he talk about it ever? Not really. Just, I mean, to him, it's normal because that was his life, you know? But when you do hear his story and, and how it all went down, like, throughout his college career, I mean, it sounds like a fairy tale, wrestling fairy <laughs> tale, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Especially <laughs> but, with the uh, Hendricks thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, just like that dude was his nemesis and kind of his kryptonite for a long time and just finally overcame that. So it's definitely a very cool story. It's awesome. And, you know, Iowa's top of mind for me right now. I was at the Big Tens this weekend. They obviously won for the first time since like five, six years. God, it just seems like one of the coolest wrestling families to be a part of, the Iowa Hawkeye Room. What's it been like since you got there? And ultimately, how did you how did you get there? I guess is is the main thing because they don't have a lot of uh, women's RTCs right now, and Iowa's really leading leading the charge there. Yeah. So the story of how we got here. Um, so I moved to the training center after I graduated from college, and Allie had lived out there for three years. And right as I got there, she had moved to Iowa because mm-hmm. she was dating Corey Clark at the time. And uh, so they've been dating for a while. So she moved out here to live with him, but she was coming back to the training center a lot. Um, and when she was there, we would wrestle together all week, just to, you know, getting good training. And, and then she suggested like, I should come out to Iowa um, for a week just to train, just to change it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, you know, that sounds fun. It'd be cool to go out. Uh, and then we got, Kayla Miracle and Michaela Beck to come out at the same time because we were all going to a tournament in Spain. So we're like, oh, it works out perfect. We'll go train for a week. There's four of us. We're all close and wait. And then we'll just go straight to Spain after. So we got out here and it it was during the summer and it was during um, when we have all those Iowa wrestling camps. Mm -hmm. And when we have when we have those camps, we have really, really hard practices during that like two weeks of the summer. And we came during those two weeks. And I mean, I got here and went through one of the practices and I was like, I need to be here like bad. Like I just saw like the intensity, the level. And I was like, you know, if I want to get to the next level, like this is where I need to be. And, um, Kayla, I had already graduated. Kayla was about to graduate from college. Beck was about to graduate from high school. So the timing worked out really well. We were all like in a transitionary uh, period, like, you know, figuring out our next moves and, so we sat down with Tom that week we were here and was like, hey, we want to come out. And they were all for it. You know, um, we got the logistics worked out. And I think I moved like a month later. What? Like, yeah, I got we had to go to Spain and then we had a camp in Fresno. And as soon as I got back from camp in Fresno, like that morning, I flew into the OTC. I packed up all my stuff on a Friday afternoon and drove out to Iowa and was at practice on Monday. <laughs> God dang, that's crazy. So who was... Who was leading that practice that you went to during the camps? Mm, usually Terry runs practice like in the afternoons. Even for the college yeah. guys? Yeah. Well, we practice. Usually we practice with the college guys. Sometimes Terry will have us do just a club practice, but usually we all practice with the college team in the afternoons, and Terry runs those practices. Got it. And it, is, is there a reason they do it, especially hard for the camps, just to like let the campers know this is what's up, or it just happens out Well, it's not even – no, it's not even for the campers. Like, the, the guys will put the campers through their workouts, 
and then there'll be a break period during the day that's right. set aside just for like the team's practice. Mm-hmm. And and those like the campers aren't in there for that. That's only for the team, and those are the hard ones. Right, but is there a reason they do it especially hard during the camps? Because like when I was a camper at Iowa, mm-hmm. I grew up like an hour away. I'd go and watch the college yeah. guys practice in between our sessions. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I I don't know. Honestly, I just know that during camp season, like, practice is hard, hard. And it, maybe it's just because some of the guys, like, a lot of the guys don't wrestle freestyle. So, you know, they're not, they're training in the summer, but not, like, intense. So maybe it's good to get a, a good blow in for two weeks. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, we're competing all summer, so it's great for us. Um, but, yeah, it's hard. I, I don't know the purpose behind it exactly. I just know that's how we do things here. I love it, though. And so, what, so you guys went to him and he's, and like at that point, had anyone even thought about doing a Hawkeye wrestling club with, with females on the team? Or was that the first time it had been brought up? Um, Allie was already like in the club because she was living out here. But uh, I think, you know, out like she needed partners because yeah. there wasn't really like any, it wasn't like a whole girls program yet. And I think Tom, you know, was really open to the idea of, of starting a women's team in the RTC. Um and just with how women's wrestling is going right now, you know, it's going to be, it's already passed for D2, D3. It's going to be passed for D1, I think, in April. Uh, so the way it's going, you know, it, it was a good move. Yeah. I guess just to be ahead of the game kind of thing. When the fuck and, is the Iowa team going to have a women's team? I'm sick of these clubs. Know, I'm sick of all this. When's it going to happen? Um, shoot me a date. What do you think? My guess is, all right, so for sure the vote for D1 is in April. Okay. It's going to pass, though, from what I've been told. Then I would, I guess they would need like a year or so. So like 2021 school year would be the first year it's technically a sport, but you would think you need kind of a year for recruiting. Mm -hmm. So my guess maybe 21-22, that school year, maybe the one after. It's close, but then you're talking in years, you know, it's going to be two to three years. But yeah. it, for, consider in the grand scheme of things, it's very close. Do you think they'll have the women's team duels the same time as the men? Or will it be separate, like men and, men and women's basketball separate? I don't know. I did see, like, some suggestions of how they wanted to do, like, the whole women's side. Because it's still going to freestyle. Mm-hmm sanctioned but then i saw like they were gonna do literally all the same rules for like hydration and season and eligibility everything was gonna be the same for as men's wrestling except that it's freestyle good um so i don't know if they're gonna do like you know fall and spring semester sports or how they're gonna break it up i'm not sure about that as of right now it is like the men and it starts in the fall and our nationals are in the spring so I mean, I, I like having it like that, but you know, I'm used to wrestling all year round, so it's not any different to me. Um, but I do not know the answer to that yet. I would guess it'll be like the men's, but we'll see. That would be awesome. And let's hope to God they keep it as freestyle because that's a beautiful thing that the women have. No, they will. Okay. That that one, I don't think they're going to change for sure. Good. So let's go back in time a little bit. So you, you've, it's kind of famous. You got into wrestling because you thought you could play football when you were 90 pounds as a freshman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, it's like when, when I hear you talk about your past, you say you played baseball, and I'm like, does she mean softball? But I think you actually mean baseball as a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. So- yeah, I started playing, like, hardball, like, with boys when I was maybe, like, four or five, somewhere around there. Okay. And then I 
I stopped playing right before high school, so like 13, 14, um, just because I was going into high school and they told me that softball's the same, it's just for girls. Like, cause the <laughs> town that I, the first town that I grew up in before I moved to Benicia, I don't, I don't think we had softball. Like, we only played baseball, so I had never even seen it. Like, I was so naive to it, so I was like. They told me I'm supposed to play softball, so I was like, okay, I'll play softball. And then I started playing, and I was like, it's not even close to being the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I wasn't really a fan of it. But around that time, I had started wrestling, and that just took over. Was your was your pops a wrestler? I know he's a pretty big influence on your life. Uh, your dad? No. No, my dad, uh, he like grew up riding like dirt bikes and stuff. Was not was not a wrestler at all. Man. And so you, you go out for wrestling. I've heard you tell a story like you were doing sprints and you realized how hard it was. But when did when did wrestling actually hook you? Really pull you in where you go? I want to do this in college. I want to do this at like body bar and that kind of thing. Uh, not till way later. Like when I started wrestling, like I didn't even know wrestling like freestyle existed like outside of high school season. Like I thought wrestling was only like a winter sport, mm-hmm. like how it is in high school. So I mean, it, it took me a long time to like get the hang of everything. Um. I didn't even start wrestling freestyle till after my junior year of high school. And then I didn't even go to Fargo or body bar until, body bar until after my senior year. So gotcha. I was like way late to the game. Okay. Um, and then college kind of gave me the picture probably like my senior year as well. Got it. But before I, I played other sports in high school too. Um, but before I just, wrestled like in the winter and it was just one of the sports I did in high school three months a year now it's your life who would have thought right yeah, yeah I know right it's crazy it was funny because I just did a clinic yesterday uh in Iowa and like at the end of the clinics I'll let the kids sit down and ask me questions just anything they want to ask me right and I think one of them asked me how long I've been wrestling and I said 10 years and some of these kids that I'm you know teaching in clinics have been wrestling almost as long as me yeah you know it's just kind of crazy it's nuts. I mean, and I hear you have aspirations to go MMA after wrestling. Yeah, after the I think the game plan right now is after twenty four. Okay, so have you started doing any boxing or any kickboxing things like that to start building the base? No, I mean aside from fighting like as a kid, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? No, like formal training. Um, the, I think uh, after after this summer, you know, since it's the Olympic year and all that, after this quad finishes up, then we're going to, you know, find me a striking coach. Uh, I'll start, you know, rolling around with some jujitsu guys just to, you know, get my feet in the water. Yeah. So that when 24 does come around, I'm not like going in cold turkey. Right. I've been waiting for an Iowa guy to, to break on, uh, and I say guy, guy and girl, to break onto the UFC <laughs> scene. There's a guy, Edwin Cooper, who is from Chicago who used to wrestle mm-hmm. in Iowa a couple of years ago. He's he's in like some kind of junior circuit of MMA fighting, but I can't wait for Joe Rogan to be like, and this is an Iowa wrestler here. I mean, it's a, it's about yeah. freaking time to see someone in there uh, with the I Hawkeye know. background. I think, uh, I think it'll be perfect. I would love to be the person to do it too. Um, I think just mentality, personality-wise, I could be really good for that. You'd be the Conor McGregor. You would, people would love your I interviews. Would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still... I'm still pretty filtered right now, like for the USA wrestling stuff, just because I feel like, you know, in USA wrestling, you still have to be like politically correct and polite and whatnot. But like once I'm allowed to say whatever I want, like how it is in MMA, yeah, I'm going to be going off the board. Wrestling's very PC. I've always thought that. Yes, definitely. Very much Everything's so. got to be still 
LFTG. Like people freaked out, you know, when I said LFG in an interview. Oh my God. Like I, look how much that blew up, and that was one word. Like I imagine if I could have a whole press conference like that. The fact that you even have to say LFG, it's like, come on, people, what are we, are we pretending that wrestlers don't swear here? I think wrestling yeah. some of the some of the craziest <laughs> rooms I've been in. You know, the the words mm-hmm. you hear in there. Um, so that's that's awesome. I I just didn't know what your plans were after that. Now, when you were graduate, you, you left high school. You went to, was it Missouri Baptist first? Where'd you start? Missouri. Sorry, you broke up a little bit there. What did was you hear me? Okay. I, uh, I did one year at Missouri Baptist, and then I transferred to King after. The dynasty. The dynasty. That's when the dynasty started, yeah. Is that right? right? Around that time. Yeah, my... Freshman year of college was the first year King won nationals. And okay. then I transferred and we won three more titles after that. Okay. Now what – I don't know a lot about Jason Mormon. I've heard the name, and obviously I know that Allie went to King's as well. Um, I believe she did. Yeah. Um, did Haley yeah. Gallo go there as well? Yeah, Haley was there the same time I was. Allie, gra- Allie graduated before I got there, before I transferred. Okay. Her senior year was my freshman year. Um, so while I was there, Haley was there, Sarah Hildebrandt, Amanda Hendy, Hyanna Gricewood, the Doy Twins, Jesse Key, uh, Lori Ramos, Bree Neal. Like our lineup that first year, I mean, was just tough as nails, top to bottom. And who was the dynasty before Kings? Was it Oklahoma City? Yes. And then before them was MoVal, like when WCWA first got started. MoVal was really tough. And then, yeah, Oklahoma City used to be really, really tough. And then we took over. And then it's been kind of like all over the place since then. What can you tell us about Coach Mormon? I, I mean, like I said, I don't know much about him. What makes him unique enough to build a program where you're winning three, four titles in a row? I just think that's really – I love coaches and I love you know, hearing about people who are successful like that. So what, what do you remember from your time there? And what do you think makes him unique as a coach? Um, I mean, I still, I just talked to him actually this morning. We still talk pretty regularly, Uh, especially for someone like me. I'm a type of athlete that needs to be talked to pretty sternly and, you know, pushed. I'm definitely one of those wrestlers. Like, you know, some girls you can scream at them till you're blue in the face and it, it doesn't get through. I'm one of those people that will respond really well to it. So you know, he was he was tough on me and definitely kept me in line and really pushed me. Um, technically, he studies the sport a lot. So, you know, I didn't really know how to wrestle yet when I got to college. I was just tough, you know. Um, but just positionally, you know, helped me really learn some moves that are still, you know, my bread and butter. Uh, just little things like that to really enhance my wrestling, to really grow into it, like the type of wrestler I wanted to be. He was really uh, instrumental in that. You know, I would do one-on-one practices with him like five days a week my first year there. I'd schedule, I'd have a different partner like every day of the week and would ha- go do a one-on-one practice with him just to, you know, develop shots or develop takedowns or upper body stuff, whatever it was that I wanted to work on. Um, and he was really committed to that. You know, if you if you show commitment to the program, it, it comes back to you as well. And he was just really good for me. We definitely clicked, you know, for a coach and an athlete. And he just, he cared a lot. He knows how to push. I think he knows how to push um, the girls the right way to where it's 
I don't want to say I'm not. It's not that it's too much, but he just knows how what makes him tick, mm. and how how to get him to work hard. Um, he's just a really good coach, you know. People say that about Gabe, but he knew each person on an individual level, and you know he knew how to yeah. push push one person one way, and another person was completely different. You know. Yeah, the word uh, Perry used to describe Gable and why he was such a good coach is that he was a chameleon. Like, he just knew how to relate to people in a way they'd understand, like how to talk to them so they'd understand and, and just make them feel good, how to coach them. And so, like, you know, that's a quality that I think is very rare, but what makes an amazing coach. I think Perry's like that, too. Mm. You know, he coaches all four of the girls very, very differently. Um that's why we're all doing well and, you know, really going to make a statement this year at trials. Absolutely. Now does he, you mentioned you practice with, with the, uh, with the college practice in the afternoon. So when is Perry getting involved and what's, I guess a better way to ask, what's your daily routine right now? So you wake up at what time and what does your training schedule consist of as you're getting ready for the Olympics here, Olympic trials? Um, so usually, it's easier to tell you like in a week sure. probably. So, like, a usual week, I like to lift four days a week. So, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday mornings, I lift. Um, and then Tuesday, Thursday mornings, we'll have, like, a one-on-one session with Perry. Or I'll run or do cardio. And then in the afternoons, 3 o'clock, uh, Monday through Friday in the afternoons, we're on the mat going hard, going live with the college team. Because that's when they practice. Um, so, usually, like, ter- it'll be a structured practice. Terry's running it. And Tom, Morningstar, Telford, Perry, you'll be, like, walking around, like, helping groups or working with, with some people. Um, if it's an on-your-own day, you know, then you can just grab one of the coaches and pretty much do an individual practice on a, like, in the afternoons. So that's what a normal week kind of okay. looks like for me. Um, so, do, but, so do the college coaches give the, uh, the HWC girls some love, or are they too focused on the, the college athletes during those practices? Oh, no, they're, they're great. I mean – I always like tell people like I'm just I can't believe sometimes like you know Tom and Terry have a whole they have 40 guys to worry about right they have a whole college team to worry about and the amount of time they still put in uh to me or to any one of the girls you know Tom will grab me after a workout or even the middle of a workout and start working with me on stuff you know and he's got a bunch of other guys to worry about look at where we're at in the season Right. You know, and he was working with me, I think, on Friday last week for another 30 minutes with me and one of the guys on the team just working on stuff. You know, so it's amazing just how much time they put into everybody. Right. Especially the girls, you know, uh, it's, it's very much appreciated by me. So is Gilman in there as well with you or is he doing his own kind of regime and, and structure? Um, he actually just left for that camp that they're okay. having right before the qualifier. And then Kayla and Perry are leaving on Thursday for the qualifier as well. Um, but usually the club stays together, like gotcha. regardless if it's the guys and girls. Like there's okay. the club and there's the college guys. That's how you break it up. Um, okay. That's how we break it up, yeah. The Got girls it. don't do their own practice and then the guys do their own. We, like we don't do that. Like all the club is together. And why do you think, uh, why do you think Terry runs the practices? That's just how it always has been? Since I've been here, yep, that's how it goes. Wow, you would never think that on the outside. I had no idea. And Tom is yeah. kind of like, well, you do hear that college coaches, the head coach kind of has to be a CEO, and some guys do that more so than others. Like I've heard that Borme at Michigan, he's very much a CEO and, and kind of orchestrates it. I, I never knew if Tom was like that, but um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, 
as a head coach, I'm sure he's got a ton of administrative responsibilities that he has to keep make sure is in line. Yeah. But he's in the room just as much as all the other coaches. He is. So I don't know how that guy makes time for everything, but he does it somehow. God, I mean that. You you read about like CEOs like the Amazon CEO working eighty hundred hours a week. College coaches they have it rough, man. They are going all the time, especially I with mean, recruiting. Before the sun's up to after the sun's down is the work hours for a college coach for right. sure. Do you think you'll ever be a coach once you're done uh, competing and fighting? Yeah, I've been getting asked that a lot lately. Um, I didn't think so for a while, like not like full time. I was like, you know, if I have like later in life, if I have kids and they wrestle, like I'll help coach or whatever with that. But uh, now that it's looking like Iowa's going to get a women's program, I would like to be involved in that and try to help make it into a, a dynasty like how Tom and Terry have. Man, it's just, and it's, Gable. it's yeah. so exciting to think that Title IX, you know, had really good impact or really good benefits for a lot of things. Obviously, wrestling got kind of inadvertently hurt from that, but women's wrestling can reverse all that shit, you know, because yeah. there's going to be equal programs. It's going to be amazing. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. wait to see what happens. Uh, You know, Sammy Brooks? Yeah. He's, he's in the club. He's actually, for his uh, master's program, his thesis or dissertation or whatever is how women's wrestling is impacting wrestling as a whole and improving it yeah like his whole thing's on that which i thought was super cool <laughs> <laughs> i actually just interviewed his high school coach two weeks ago and he, his high school coach claims that he named his son after sammy brooks that's how much he loves really? that kid. yeah <laughs> yeah he's an awesome guy i mean just great to have around now was that who you did the polar plunge with in uh krasniark mm-hmm. i watched that video how freaking cold was that water oh my god <laughs> oh man dude I mean, it looked just as cold as uh, the water was that they did, like the water they did here. Like they jumped in like a pond or a lake or something and had to cut through the ice to make a square. But they had a sauna to go get in after. Ah. The place we went to was like this little itty bitty sauna house right on the edge of the river. So it's kind of supposed to be like a hot, cold contrast. Like you sit in the sauna, you go jump in the river. But the sauna wasn't on that day and they wouldn't like start the (laughs) fire in it. So we get there and I'm like, dude, the sauna's not on. Like, I don't want to get in the water. And, and Brooks is like, we're already here. Let's just do it. I was like, oh, man, all right. So we went and jumped in, uh, had Pat Downey videotape it, and him narrating was hilarious. Then Perry gets there, like, after we've already jumped in, like, trying to warm up. None of us bring a towel. So we're just sitting there freezing inside the sauna house trying to drink tea to warm up. And Perry walks in. He's like, you got to do it again. Like, because we had to take a video and, like, say some stuff for, like, HWC and all that. And I was, like, going to cry, man. I was, like, I can't get back in that water. It was so cold. And so then we, he convinced me. We do the video, and I walk down there. We jump in the water again. And after that, I was, like, I'm done. Oh, so the video we saw was the second time you had gone? Yeah, that was the second one. Fuck no. (laughs) Yeah. Hell no. And still had no sauna to get in after. Um, Yeah, and you got to think, like, you know, it was probably like, I don't know, like 10 degrees or so and windy. Yeah. The wind like makes it way worse. And then the only reason the water in the river's not frozen is because it's moving. You know, the, the, the river bank is like a foot thick of ice. Right. So you got to think that water's got to be in the thirties. Oh yeah. Pretty damn cold. Like a cold tub's usually 50. So yeah, that Man. water was very, very cold. The video of was it was it this year when Tom got in? He acted like he was reading the newspaper and stumbled in. 
Yeah, that was this year. He said she That was the most ridiculous. <laughs> that might be the most underrated video of the year. I don't know if that's as popular as it should be. That should have like a million views. That's hysterical. That video, that video <laughs> is so funny. They <laughs> are the, uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, but they're funny guys. Uh, Tom and Terry. Oh, yeah. I was in they're Tom's Canadian. office in August interviewing him for a, a documentary I was doing on Gable. And I will, he's like, meet me at the Dan Gable statue at 7 a.m. And like his emails, he types in all caps, right? And so yeah. you don't know what you don't know what the hell's gonna happen, right? So I called my brother. I'm like, <laughs> I'm at the Dan Gable statue. I don't know what's gonna happen. And out of nowhere, I hear Tom Brands yelling, "Dan Gable!" <laughs> Just like yeah. the middle, across the parking lot. I'm like, oh my yeah. god, he's a he was a cool dude. Um, haven't met Terry. I got a good. Hit I me. got a good story for you. Uh, Speaking of like just how he like emailed that to you. So one time we were in Okaboji for the HWC golf thing. Mm -hmm. It's like a fundraiser we do at Okaboji. So I'm sleeping, right? And we're staying in like Tom's in-laws friend's place. And I hear something like moving around and and Kayla and Perry were with me. And I'm like, no way they're up yet. Like it's early. It's like 6 a.m. And he's like, Molinari. And I look out of my bed and in the doorway is just a black figure standing there and it's tom he's like you want to go for a run i'm like what he's like you got four minutes i'm like four minutes like can i have five so i like scramble out of bed like throw on some like running clothes and and get out there we go for a run at like six in the morning we uh do some stance in motion do some sprints on like this dirt road and cornfields and then we run to the dock at the lake and he's like, do you know how to swim? I'm like, yeah, I know how to swim. And he's like, are you sure? Do you need like a, a life jacket or something? I was like, Tom, I promise you I know how to swim. Like I'm from California. I played yeah. water polo. I did swim team. I know how to swim, right? So I was like, I promise I'll be okay. He's like, all right, to finish the workout, we got to swim to the buoy and back. I was like, okay. So we jumped in and I smoked him bad. Like I can swim pretty fast. And so I get all the way out to the buoy and back. And then I'm just sitting there like treading water waiting for him. And he's like, damn, I think I'm the one who needed a life jacket. Like just because I went so quick. You know what I mean? I was like sitting in the water, just like making sure he was going to be okay. Cause it was a, it was a decent little swim. Um, but Man. yeah, it was really, really was funny. It just you he two? thought I couldn't swim. Yeah. Kayla, Kayla was not having it. She kept her door shut because she could hear us talking in the morning. She's like, yeah, no way, man. So he's just, I mean, do you think he could, do you think Tom Brands could All-American at the Nationals still? Yeah. He's definitely, he's in that good of shape, right? He could still. But yeah, him and Terry are, are still in really, really good shape. Those dudes are freaks. So he just wakes you up. You guys run. How long was the run, you think? Uh, I don't even know. Like hour, half hour? Maybe like half an hour or so, yeah. I just thought it was funny that he's just standing in the doorway, you know, like a dark figure. He got four minutes. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, didn't get a heads up or anything. He just started yelling at me to wake me up. I was like, okay. What no warning say? the night before that, hey, we're going to go for a run at six so you can get ready? Nothing. No, yeah, no warning. Just, you got four minutes. Let's go for a run. I'm like, okay. Man. Do you think those guys <laughs> will make funny. the trip for the Olympics? Assuming you and the team make it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's in August, so maybe only one will be able to come just because that's when school started. Well, no, it's early August. So, yeah, they'll probably both go. I would I would hope they'd both go. That'd be pretty cool. I would love to have them there. Yeah. Man, that would be awesome. And hopefully there's a, there's a couple HWC folks going, you know, guys and girls. I've, 
shoot, I'm trying to have like half the Olympic team for freestyle be the men and women <laughs> for HWC. Who's all uh, what's the roster these days for the uh, for H- the club? Yeah. So for the club right now, Allie's at 57. Bex, uh, she's gonna wrestle 59 still for like yeah. junior U23 stuff. Kayla's at 62. I'm at 68. For the men, Corey Clark and Gilman and Spencer are all at 57. Uh, Ironman's at 65. Uh, we have no Deer Savarov. He's from Uzbekistan. He's a 57, but he's still wrestling for Uzbekistan. But we have him in the club, too. He's a 57. Uh, we got Sammy Brooks at 86. And I don't – I think that's all of them. Okay. So what's Sounds the story right. on that individual? What's his name? Safarov? Yeah, No Deer. No Deer. Is he your cowbell partner in crime? No, no, I don't have a partner in crime for my cowbell. That's that's a solo move. We'll we'll come back but, to that in a second. So what yeah. what is that? Uh, what's the story with that that guy? I, I see him on Instagram all the time. Is he did he go to school in the U.S.? I mean, how'd that all happen? No, he wrestled. I think it started when he wrestled Gilman in Paris in seventeen. Okay. Maybe that's how they got to know him, and then I don't know the full story. I believe that. That's where they met him, and then he came out here. He's been here. He was here way before me, though. Yeah. So he, you know, does classes, and uh, he might have a green card now. I'm not really sure. But he he just trains with the club and just has to wrestle for Uzbekistan instead. But he's their Olympian at 57. Already, right? And he's actually – yeah, he's already their Olympian. And he's on his way, actually, right now, back out to Uzbekistan um, to wrestle at Asian game, Asian qualifier. Got it. So does he can get his weight qualified. Does he speak good English? I could have him on the podcast. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, he might get a little nervous sometimes. We did a video the other day. It was so funny. Like, we had to do, like, a promo video for something. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting there and, like, speaking like a foreigner, like, like acting like he didn't know how to speak English. I was like, dude, what are you talking? Like, I pulled up the video, and I was like, what the hell was that? Like, you know how to speak English. <laughs> and he was, he's like, oh, I, I was nervous or something. Man. The other day in the sauna, though, he speaks actually really good English, but the other day in the sauna, I had a bruise on my back, like on my shoulder. And he's like, Forrest, you have black eye. And I'm like, I do? Like, I don't remember getting hit in practice day. He's like, no, you have black eye on your shoulder. And it was a bruise, and he just didn't know the word got for it. It, it was so it. funny. <laughs> yeah, I saw the video of you riding the bike in the sauna. Is that a normal practice for, or a normal uh, thing for you, or is that just for the video? Was it like an interview with Tatum? Was it that one? It was a on a, a girl was interviewing you. Yeah, that's Tatum. Okay. Uh, she, sometimes she'll do like a little interview stuff and send it to Flo. Um, she's one of our friends out here. Okay. Uh, sometimes I'll ride the stationary bike in the sauna, just you know, just to move in there, just something to do. Yeah. But we'll put the Aerodyne in there and do a workout. Me and Beck did a a circuit the other day with the Aerodyne in the sauna, and it was toasty brutal and you you used to cut quite a bit of weight how are you feeling up at the new weight class now uh i've definitely you know i was sucking pretty hard down to 65 i feel like i'm pretty big for 65 um how hard out what does that mean is that 10 pounds 20 pounds what's a hard cut for you well especially not as not quite as much now but when i was making 65 my weight could fluctuate a lot Mm -hmm. like i could do like 10 pounds in a weekend if I just went out and ate bad or something. <laughs> so on a good week, my weight would be like 
68, 69, which is four kilos. On a bad week, I was getting up to like 72, 73, 74. Like I could get up there. Yeah. So we're talking 20 pounds if it was bad. But, but then like earlier in the year, I would get that big and Perry was like, no, we're not having that anymore. So by, by April at the open, my weight was way much better, like in check, uh, like the two weeks leading up to the tournament, I was getting closer and closer to weighing out at scratch. Okay. Just so I was, my body would be used to competing, you know, what after weigh-ins I'd get up to like 67, 67 and a half. That's what I was like practicing at. So I would get used to practicing at that weight. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, being up at 68, I still got to cut a little bit because I walk around at like 71, 72, but I'm getting to eat like way more, like way more richer food or just better food. Like I was living on eggs when I was making 65. Like oh. it was a hard cut for sure. You used that um, for a long time. Now, yeah, long time. Um, but now, you know, I can eat normally, uh, a lot more carbs than I used to and, and work out harder mm -hmm. just because I've got the fuel in me and I've got more on my body to, to give. So, yeah, I still cut a little bit just because I've been really trying to fill into this weight class because looking at me at my body at 65, like I would, felt like I looked way small for 68, but now I feel really solid. And how many of the girls who you used to wrestle at the old weight class would be up with you at 68? None. Oh, wow. Every other girl at 65 went down to 62 this year. And I'm the only one who went up. And you absolutely smoked people at the Nationals in Texas back in December. So who is the – are you are you uh, in the finals then, or how does that work? Like, what's, what's the bracket situation? Like, who's got the bye, or is everyone starting um, together? So because Mensa is the returning world champion – She's already sitting in best two out of three. If you're a returning medalist, you sit in the best two out of three. Okay. Um. So Mensa's already sitting in finals. I'm gonna. I'll be the one seed, and, and I'll have to wrestle through the bracket. But our bracket's really small because I already took up an extra qualifying spot by going to the open, and Victoria Francis did too. So I think there's only like maybe five of us. And Mensa if that, is. She's a beast, right? She's she's probably scaring people away too. I mean, she, she. I mean, she's a returning world champ. Right, right. She's pound for pound, you know, the best rest, one of the best wrestlers for right. the women's side. Have you ever scrapped uh, with her just, before? Uh, I haven't wrestled her in a match since like my freshman year of college, probably. Um, and we just never met up in tournaments or were at different weight classes. And I wrestled a little bit with her at. Uh, camp a couple months ago, but I mean, she, I don't see her that often. She's in Colorado and I'm out here, you know, yep. so and we've I, rolled around. And at this point though, it's like, it's pretty much you and her uh, to get, to get down there. So when you go to camps like that, do you try not to work out with people you're going to be competing with or where do you start to draw that line? Cause if, for example, I've heard JB said that he's not working out with IMR anymore at the camps and maybe that's blown out, blown, blown out of proportion. I'm just wondering how that works. Um, on Team USA? Um, I'm sure the men's side's different than the women. Okay. Some girls are like that. Some aren't. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not scared to go with, go practice with anyone in my weight class, you right. know? Uh, but are they going to be able to feel everything I can do? No. Right. You know, am I going to tell them everything that I'm working on? No, because that's no. just dumb yeah. strategically. 
Yeah. But I mean, I have no, I have no problem. Like I, the first two practices at camp, I went with Mensa, you know, I, and she's asked me to go. I have no problem. I'm not going to say no. It's like, yeah, let's roll, whatever. Yeah. We're getting better, but I just, you know, she better be aware of what's coming in April. Let's go. <laughs> let's, you gotta, you gotta come into the Olympic, the Olympic qualifier rocking the Kawasaki. I want you to just pull up on like the front steps fucking wheelie up there <laughs> do you still that is that would be awesome is that actually yours because i know you uh like you said you did motocross back in your back in the day is that picture on instagram i thought i saw like a kawasaki motorcycle is that yours yeah it's yeah the the digital camo one yeah the 250 yeah that's mine yeah i bought that when did i buy that maybe after worlds last year like in the fall in the winter right around there i bought yeah that's mine okay and is that like your daily driver if it's not raining, it's raining today, so I couldn't ride it. But that's like this during the summer, my truck's <laughs> gonna be retired. I'm only riding my bike for sure. Man, what other uh, what other NorCal things are you bringing to Iowa City? Because like I said, I lived out there five years. I know they love their Mac Dre out there. Like they, uh, you know, the Northern California is a special place. I love it. Do you bring any other yeah. Northern California things to the Iowa room? Um, especially maybe not in the room, but just my personality. Um, I've been told I have an accent too, that I have a California accent, just some of my lingo, like the way I talk, you know, yeah. the personality for sure. I'm Bay area all the way. Yep. Um, uh, some of the like little, you know how like in the Bay area, there's a lot of like Filipino or like Hawaiian people, some of that Islander stuff, you a know, lot. came yeah. with me. Yeah. Big, still big on the Islander stuff. A lot of my friends in high school were, were Filipino or Hawaiian or something like that. Um, I mean, if you look around my apartment, I've got, I've got like a Kui nut lays and my longboard and stuff like that. So yeah, you can still see it. I, uh, I longboarded to work one day. I used to live in Knob Hill and I moved to California and I was like mm-hmm. right out of college, had a longboard. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a Californian. So I longboard to work. Um, the first day I ever had, I'm like coming around the corner and the thing slips out, shoots into the road. I go tumbling. I have my backpack with my laptop on. And I was like mortified, oh. so embarrassed. I, I never wrote it again. I still got it, but um, yeah, you mentioned longboard. I, I started getting chills and sweats because I remembered that uh, <laughs> absolutely mortifying experience. Um, now, when you were when you were um, coming up out there, was was Terry Steiner at all getting involved with like the youth women's development at all, or was he strictly on kind of the senior level? Like when I was still in high school. Yeah, like doing like body bar, doing college. Like when did you first start working with him? Because I've heard he is just an incredible coach as well. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of the girls that I wrestle with now, like take Kayla, for example. She's been wrestling her whole life. She wrestled all through cadets, all through juniors. So she's known Terry Steiner for a long time. I didn't even really get to know Terry Steiner until probably after I made a junior world team. Um. And that was after my sophomore year of college. Like, that's when I first really got on the circuit, you know, and got noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and made two U23 teams after – two two teams after that. Um, so, yeah, I didn't get to know him till much, much later because I only wrestled juniors. I didn't wrestle cadets ever. Got it. Um, and even then, my first two years at Body Bar, I think I got seventh, the first one, and – maybe third, the second one. I just wasn't like noticed yet. You know what I mean? I wasn't at that level yet, but after I, you know, started wrestling on the senior level, we got to know each other. Well, do you see similarities between Terry and 
and Tom and Terry. I mean, they all wrestled at Iowa. They're in the, the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Um, are they completely different people? No, I mean, Terry Steiner definitely still has all that Iowa mentality ingrained into him. You'll be doing a workout with him. Like, he'll still wrestle with us. Like, if I ask him to do a practice with me, he will, and we'll be wrestling. And he's going to try to get you tired, and he will not stop. I mean, that dude's 50 years old, and he will go and go and go. I mean, he is in phenomenal shape um, for his age and can still scrap, and he's got a couple tricks in there. But I've watched him do, like, almost, I don't want to say a grind match, but just, like, one of those workouts where you just start going live and you just keep going. And he just will do everything he can to get you tired. He won't stop coming after you. I've heard he'll do, you guys will come in for practice and he'll be on like the bike or the treadmill just soaked in sweat. And then he'll go a whole nother workout Mm -hmm. coaching the team. Like, is that unusual for him to do that? Nope. That's like an everyday thing for him. When I lived at the training center, he'd do that every day. And then he like hurt his knee for a little bit. So he'd ride the aerodyne instead and do a whole workout (laughs) on the aerodyne. And that's just, that's a very, I, a thing different breed go and go and go and yeah tom, tom still does it too i'll we'll do a whole practice and then tom will go get on the aerodyne just get to work god dang it's just like it's a level of enthusiasm that i don't think people can understand you obviously have that um one of the things i want to ask you about though is your first world championships 2018 you lost a bronze medal match one-to-one and i'm sure it was crushing i'm sure and i'm sure it still is how how have you used that, though, to get back on the horse for where you're at now? I mean, is that something you think about every day? Um, and like, what mental tactics have you used to, to kind of move move past that? So, after losing in that match one-to-one, I mean, I was just, I mean, I can't tell you how angry I was because I came off the mat and I was like, I did nothing for six minutes. I never have a one-to-one passivity point match. Like, I never have those kind of matches. Right. And I was like, you know, what the hell was the matter with me? Like, why would I do that? It was my first ships and I was dressing for a medal. I don't know what yeah, that one sat with me for a long time. And it just, every time someone's bringing up or I think about it, I mean, just burning angry. And then you know, we get to 2019 Worlds and... I lost in the semis, like, with five seconds left off a mistake. I was just in a bad spot, and I felt like I needed to move to get out of it so I didn't get wrapped up or something. Ended up exposing myself. Thought I was still winning because she had a caution. Ended up losing on criteria. Um, and that one, I mean, like, you, you saw it in the bronze medal match. I couldn't pull my head back together even the whole next day right. to wrestle for the bronze medal. I think I could have taken that Chinese girl down five times. But she got one takedown, and Chinese girls have great gut wrenches, and my dumbass kept trying to step over instead of just looking into the gut wrench and eating it. <laughs> I tried to step over four times. Like, just look into it and get back to your feet, you know? Yeah. But I had tunnel vision. I kept thinking I was going to step over her, which I'm not. And, but that was just a mental lapse because I just couldn't pull myself back together, you know? I just don't – I don't take losing well. Um, I think you guys saw that after during final x this past year i lost that first match to maya and i went in the back i went in the back and was just losing my mind like i was like yelling and and talking to perry and then i called tom on the phone and i was getting all angry and what you called tom on the phone 
I called Tom. Like, after What'd you say? Match, I, I don't know. I was yelling about something, like mad about something during the match. And he's like, just wrestle. Like, he yelled at me back on the phone, told me to just wrestle. He said something else. It was, it just looking back now, I mean, I was like full DeSanto mode, just losing <laughs> it. <laughs> and then. And then I tech her in the second match, go back, and I'm still like out of my mind. And I just start running sprints, like back and forth in the in the back before the last match. But you know, those both those losses, you know, I could sit here and have two bronze medals at right. my first two senior worlds and be two for two for medals. But right now I'm over two, and those were just mental lapses. And yeah, you know, on paper people are like, you didn't get any better. You took fifth at 2018, and then you took fifth in 2019. But I think if you look at my quality of wrestling between those two world tournaments, I'm leaps and bounds better. And I think if you look at my wrestling from Worlds to the Open to right now, like, I mean, huge differences. So, yeah, you know, I, I think Don't I listen to those people. On, That's crazy know, talk. Like, That's fucking crazy. But uh, if you... I lost out. I think... I believe I lost out on a gold medal at 2019 Worlds with five seconds left and one teeny tiny mistake in a match. How, Cost me, I think, a gold medal. How much heat do they bring in the last 30 seconds when you're going international? Foreigners, dude, they have a talent. We call it the sprint. That's like the term Perry uses. Like, they're getting ready to sprint. The foreigners, you know, they'll be hanging out, just taking their time, but they're, like, getting their energy built up because the last minute or 30 seconds, usually it's a minute. They'll have a sprint, like a minute sprint in them. And if you look at the amount of matches at Worlds that were won and lost in that minute sprint at the end, like it was almost better to be down going into that minute because you have a almost a better chance of having such a high attack rate and scoring than trying to hold them off, trying to hold them off, trying to hold off. When you're in wrestling like that, a minute's really long. Really long. You know? <laughs> yeah, but when you're attacking, you're getting after it, like a minute's plenty of time to score. 30 seconds is plenty of time to score. And those foreigners, like, they're very, very good. Like, look at the last, what was it, 20 seconds of Haji Aliyev and Rashidov. That's what I'm thinking of. As you're saying that this, I'm thinking of that freak. unreal. Unreal. The hip action. There's a, like a whole, oh, there's like a whole wrestling match worth of wrestling in that 20 seconds. Oh, my God. There's so much. So, yeah, those foreigners, they, they train for that sprint. <sighs> who was the guy doubt. who lost that one? Was it? Um, Haji ended up losing and yeah. Rashidov won, but I yeah. think it should have went the other way. I think. God, how do you give? That was a political move. It's like mate. Yeah, totally was political. But like maybe his head went out. But what's high? What's the, what's the other part of Haji's name? Especially that move. Haji Aliyev. Maybe that's what it is. Okay, yeah, I'm trying to think. Haji's of, his first name, I think. That's right. Yeah. Aliyev is his last name. Yeah. Aliyev. Uh, that kid's incredible. That, yeah, that kind of like throw, fall, whatever happened on the edge. Rashidov landed on his back. That yeah. should have been four. Four. And yeah. they said his head went out. I mean, I was up like two in the morning watching it. I couldn't believe it. And you watch that. I've showed my friends who don't wrestle that scramble. I go, this is the highest level you're ever going to see of two guys going at it. It was incredible wrestling. I mean, yeah, it's they just have a Haji, way. So his single legs are, I mean, unbelievable. Like he'll get his hands locked in the way he can get his head up. Just his finishes like. That guy is extremely talented. I'd love to see him wrestle folk style, like some of those guys. I'd love to see him. I know that's not even that's never going to happen, and they don't even know what that. It, maybe they know what it is, but they don't even think about that. But I bet it's. I bet it would translate to folk style success just as easily. 
I mean, just because they're so good on their feet, yeah. Like, yeah. the guys who I think are – I think a lot of the top guys, uh, you know, at NCAAs are the guys who are wrestling freestyle in the summer. Yeah. You just look at percentage-wise, you know. Um, I'm just like – I'm thinking of all those NCAA champions right now, and they all were wrestling freestyle and going to world team trials and things right. like that. So, yeah, I mean, the only thing that I don't think foreigners would be able to handle is the grinding. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? The foreigners are not going to like the grinding, constant pressure, but that works in favor for Americans. Do you like the push out? I, yeah. Yeah. It's extremely useful. You have to rest, know how to wrestle in the zone for sure. And people's reactions are going to be way different in the zone than they are in the center of the mat because their backs are up against the wall. You can't step out. Right. Um, you know, zone wrestling's huge. I love zone wrestling. I think it works well for my style. Uh, what was I going to say? No, I lost my train of thought. I had no something sweat. good about the folk style thing. All right, go the ahead. amount of times that happens to me on these these conversations, you, you'd be surprised. But I just you kind of play it off. But um. Oh, I got to. I remember what it was. Okay, so the uh, there was one time we were at a camp in uh, Colorado, and you know Elena Poroskova. Mm-hmm. So she was. Was she coached by uh, Pico Zil coach? Um, Valentine. Yeah, yes. when she was still wrestling, she worked with Valentine. That's right. Okay. So. They were talking, I don't know if maybe we were going to like a World Cup or something, but we were talking about being Team USA and like what that means and how we wrestle. And she said, and this like some, this is something that really stuck with me because I just liked it. I thought it fit my personality well. She said that Americans have a reputation for wrestling hard until the last whistle. Like you could be down 9-0 and an American's still going to come after you with everything they got. Uh, yep. And you know how some foreigners will just like kind of give it up, like whatever I lost, like that's it. Like Americans don't do that. Like they're still gonna come after you, and it's like a pride thing. And just to have that reputation amongst like the foreigners, I thought was cool. I think that's a very Iowa thing as well. It gives me a little so. pride even hearing it, though. I mean, just as a fan, I'm like, that's if you're gonna yeah. be known for something, that's a, Americans love being known for that. So I'm like, that's. Yeah, hey. so we're grind like just as a country, we're grinders for sure. Absolutely. Um, well, hey, I know you you have a busy day. I just want to wind down with one last question. And you know, the name of the podcast is Wrestling Changed My Life, and we ask yeah. everyone at the end, "How did wrestling change your life?" So it could be that, it could be, you know, you haven't been in it all that long compared to some of the people you're competing with. So, like, what was your life like before or after wrestling, or what have you picked up from the sport so far that's really impacted who you are? I mean, before wrestling, you know, I still played baseball and rode motorcycles and wanted to be like a, like do motocross like professionally, or I thought I was going to be the first girl in the major leagues. I was going to play for the A's or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so you can see how differently like my life is because I started wrestling. Um, I actually did a quote like for track wrestling the other day. I can't remember exactly what I said, but like, like wrestling has given me everything, you know, all my closest friends. It's shaped me into the person that I am. It's helped me build my foundation as a person, like my morals, my beliefs, my values. You know, it, it's done everything. If I look, if I sat down and wrote a list of all the positive things in my life, all the things I'm grateful for, you know, aside from having like a family that really supports me and that's awesome, but none of them were wrestlers, everything else stems from wrestling when think about and, the relationships you have because of wrestling like the people yeah, in your life everyone everyone that's important to me everyone that i care about all is because of wrestling 
I love it. So like, and I, I love my life. I love who I am as a person. I love what I get to do. I love the situation that I, that I'm in the opportunities I've been given and all of that's because of wrestling. So how could I not be like, you know, with my whole heart and soul, be grateful for it. I love it. It's been an honor to chat with you. I cannot wait to watch you uh, at the Olympic trials at Penn state. I'll be there. My brother will be there. We'll be pulling for you. Thank you again for us. Appreciate Always. it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. Absolutely. Take care. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.